What is up? This is Alternate Take. I am your host, Danny Rodriguez. Welcome back to the show. On this episode, we brought you guys the co-author of the book, A Twisted History of the United States, Charlie Westerman. And this was a great fucking interview, man. I really had a blast. Charlie was recommended to me by a former guest of ours, Laura Sextro, who's the CEO of the Unity Project, doing great work here in California, uh, which is rare nowadays, man. So I was very stoked for her to send me this info and for me to get in contact with him because it was a great time, man. Uh, Charlie's a beast, and you'll find that out in about 30 seconds. So without further ado, I bring to you the co-author of the book, A Twisted History of the United States of America, Charlie Westerman. Alternate Take fans, what is up? Thanks for coming back, guys. Today, we got a special guest, man. Today, we got the author of A Twisted History of the United States. We got Charlie Westman. What's up, brother? How you doing? How's it going, man? Appreciate it. Absolutely, dude. Uh, had to have you on, man. We This podcast, we talk about all kinds of shit, man, as you already know. And um, one of them being how crazy everything is today. And uh, not a big reader of books. As a kid growing up, but now that I'm getting older, I'm trying to get more knowledgeable, man. I'm trying to get more smart, trying to get smart like Charlie Westerman, man. So before we get to all of your achievements and shit, let's talk about you for a second, man. Uh, where'd you grow up and all that good stuff, brother? Yeah, so I'm right outside Chicago, Chicago suburb kid. Um, I went to Fenwick High School. I don't know, people who, who's, who are listening to this may or may not be familiar. It's kind of a nationwide. There's a lot of friars around the country. It's a pretty, quote unquote, good high school. Um, I, I ended up going to, uh, Indiana university for a year. Then I, uh, took a gap year, which was really me trying to leave school. So I took that gap year, which ended up being more of a gap life. Now, um, I, my day job is I work for a tech startup in sales and on the side during all this COVID crazy stuff, I co-created a twisted history of the United States with Gary Richard and. I'm also co-host of the Hot Water History podcast as well. Jesus, man. I love Well, dude, I mean, that sounds pretty impressive coming from uh and I guess I'm in the same boat a little bit, not to say that I'm impressive or anything like that, but um to have like a different mindset in a state like Illinois. I know it's a little crazy out there, man. Um which I know it's only the main cities that fucking get nuts. Like Chicago, I know like the sub- suburbs and that pretty pretty normal from what I've heard. I haven't been around there too often, but um tell me about your experience in Indiana, man. How what was that like? The college scene was pretty crazy because it was the first time that I felt very truly that ideas were being pressed upon me. Um, In in some classes, I felt that if I were to say something and I I stayed quiet in most of my classes and also my my views on I I wasn't like a libertarian at the time. I, I didn't I wasn't equipped enough with the the ideas and just the background knowledge of the cases that I was presenting to be able to have enough confidence to even present myself. But it was the first time that I said, yeah, this is, this seems a little more forceful than it should be. This doesn't seem very, you know, open-minded or there's not a lot of openness here intellectually, which seems a little dishonest to me. It's funny that you bring up what you said about being in Illinois. And I I spoke about this on the unity project podcast that I was on with Laura and we talked about Laura and I, we talked about there's something so great when you meet someone in an area like California or Illinois, 
where it's so to be countercultural, and it's great because we're on the show called Alternate Take, but to be countercultural takes so much more character than to just live in an area where that's the that's the mainstream belief of something. So I, I kind of like being the alternate take in Illinois. It's kind of a it's a weird, there's a weird rebellious joy that it gives me. At the suburbs, you said the suburbs. I'm very close. So I'm very close to the city. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we do this, we do this segment on our podcast on the How Our History podcast called Meanwhile in Oak Park. Oak Park is like Chicago, but more left. So Chicago, you can have pockets of you'll have pockets of conservative. This suburb is like the it's hard to describe if you picked up, I I feel like if you took one of the worst spots of California, <laughs> this is that in oh, Oak shit. Park. So, so we do this segment on each week called Meanwhile in Oak Park. It's everyone's favorite segment where we just take something from the local newspaper. Just that's just something that's just ridiculous. And we just make fun of them the entire time. Today, so, men had babies. It was fantastic. Oh, my God. Right. <laughs> Stuff, Stuff like that. that. Wow, man. That's crazy, dude. I mean, I was going to ask. I was like, man, it's fucking 10 o'clock at night in Chicago. And, you know, in Chicago. And I was like, oh, that's why Charlie Weston is not out right now, man. It's probably fucking going to get shot and shit. There's nothing to be fun at 10 o'clock at night, man. In Chicago, no more, man. I heard it's nuts. I roll my eyes at that stuff because the national media doesn't do us any favors. So I'm going to sound like an idiot for defending Chicago here. But every time I say I'm from Chicago... It's always, oh, you're going to get, you You might get killed now. It's like, it's like, all right, all right. like, I, I get it. Nothing bad's ever happened. I get that it's this running joke, but that's one of the things that I'm actually a little less critical about Chicago about. Not to say that there's some spots around here where it's like, you could get your wig split if you look at someone the wrong <laughs> way or you go, you walk down the wrong road. But the I, I think the that joke's a little played out. I think there's a lot more attention that could be used towards making fun of the 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 politics and corruption. I, I think that the violence in a weird way takes away from the politics and corruption. Does that make sense? Yeah, I know I know what you're saying. I think it only ties in is because there's so much violence due to po- due to the corruption in the politics. Right. Why you know we're letting out people that are clearly not fit to be in society you know clearly have proven over and over again they don't like people they like danger and we're like you know just let them go out next day that's why it's a problem like it's not really that chicago's some naturally volcanic place that no matter what you do politics good conservative or liberal that's just going to be a disaster no matter what no it's a fucking great place but like if you have corrupt people fucking continuously purposely making it worse then it's like now we have a problem you know what i mean right it's it's a weird it's it's almost it's almost like a psyop in a sense where everyone knows Chicago is the violent city, but they don't know why it's the violent city. They just, they just say, Oh, with all the gangs out there, you watch yourself. It's, it's like, th- there's one big gang it's called the government and they're not doing a great <laughs> job to keep everything in order right now. No, hell no, man. Well, dude, tell me about um how you got started on this book, man, because you know, history is always something I, I was, um, not too fascinated with when I was a kid, mostly because I was into chicks. That's all I wanted to do was chicks nice. and skateboarding. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and baseball. That was like my life for a while. And then you get a little mature and you start going, fuck, I'm, I'm not as smart as I thought I was. I'm pretty dumb. So I should start getting some knowledge. Um, 
but I didn't get into that till later, dude. I'm talking like 18, 19. Um, when I was like, man, I don't want to go to regular college. I want to get my own goddamn college and I'll give it to myself. Um, but it seems like you got into it pretty early. Like it's kind of tapped into you from a young age. It sounds like. So actually, no, it's actually an interesting story. I had Gary Richide, who's the main author. He was my high school history teacher. He sort of opened up my world when he described American history in a very non-government loving way, which was interesting to me. I just never had, I never had a teacher who was, so I, I brought up at Indiana how I felt that the views were being forced upon me. With Gary, he would, he would come out on the first day and he would say, guys, look, I'm a libertarian. And we, this is in the intro to the book as well. We come out right away and we say, guys, we're libertarian. We don't like the government. All of our views are going to be colored by that bias. So keep that in mind. Okay. I, I had never heard that before. And that honesty, that intellectual honesty was refreshing to me. And to continue the story, I get through his class and it's not like he's completely 180 changed my worldview. But then when I got to Indiana, I started to see all the people who would oppose Gary Richard if there was a debate to break out. And I remember thinking their cases aren't very good at all when they have to resort to being forceful or being pushy on their beliefs onto other people and not very open to debate. Gary would sometimes say, does anyone disagree with that? I'd be interested to hear if anyone's got something to say, any part of that. And he, he was very open to questions and disagreement in his class, which I found awesome. And then COVID happened. And when COVID happened, something had to be, it, it, it felt like everything Gary Rich had said in class just came to life. And once I found out how to make, you'll see within the book that there are these historical tweets. Once I learned how to make fake historical tweets, he was the first guy I had to text. Basically, <laughs> I, it, if you've seen the book, it's these, fa it's these fake tweets from historical figures. Some are real quotes. Some are made up. Most of them are real quotes. Some of them are made up. But once I, I saw that we had the ability to do that, and I knew that there was an ability to make a, a history book that was both entertaining and engaging and provocative. I just thought that was something that I didn't have when I was going through class. So hopefully, hopefully some high schoolers like it, but the target audience is not just high schoolers. It's everyone. It's everyone that's seen the last two or three years that, you know, the state of the state of Denmark is rotten. Something's rotten or something is rotten in the state of Denmark. Well, it's a good idea, man. I mean, to come up with something like this and to put it forward, dude, I, I really do believe that because when I read this, I was like, I felt like Goodwill Hunting and shit. You know, he's like, you can get the $2 cake <laughs> at the public library, motherfucker. I, I love that. That was like how nice. I felt. Nice. But um, I think my whole thing about, because I thought about it years later, like my, my whole thing with school when I was a kid was, you know, it, it didn't have much to do with like, I had a lot of cool teachers, which was awesome. Um, and some were crazy, but fucking most of them were old anyways. I mean, like, but, my main thing was, I don't think school did a good job at teaching you how to critically think. And I don't even think it's kind of possible to do that, to be honest with you. I think it's like you kind of either critically think or you don't. Um, and a lot of that's your parents teaching you how to do that when you're a young kid. Um, but my thing was like, most of these kids are 
fucking like could have just taken tests, man. Like they can remember a, a, a significant amount of data in a short period of time, regurgitate it, put it on a test, and then that's it. But when it came to real life things, they're most of them were just fucking really dumb. And I was like, how do you have a four point something? And yeah, and I'm way smarter than you. And this is just to my dumb friends. I'm not smart in general, but but like, but you can't bake, you can't like understand this, like just basic level shit. And, and that's what kind of drew me away from school. But it, it was education, like the books that you guys are making and um, podcasts and whatnot that really made me want to grow because that's that's where the critical critical thinking came in too. And it sounds like this is what's going on, man. And that's that's great because it's not common anymore, man. Like you said, this indoctrination shit is everywhere, dude. It really is everywhere. If you don't think fucking, you know, transgenders are 100% the most moral people of all time, then you're the devil. If you don't think, like, it's like everything you do is just like, you're a piece of shit, essentially, if you don't follow the trend. And that's not how education or critical things supposed to stand. It's supposed to be good ideas are good enough to stand on their own without the harassment needed. Um, and if there is a, some sort of counterpoint, it's like you said, it's like Mr. Richard said, just is anyone interested in having a counterpoint? And what information do you have to bring to the table that would make it likely to beat my point? And there's no ego involved. It's just like, let's fucking talk, you know? And that's, I feel like that's gone, man. I totally agree. And it's funny that you bring up critical thinking in schools. Are, how aware are you of the origin of public schools or schooling? Dude, not much. So please enlighten me, man. I'm really not too sure about how it all got started and whatnot and all the background, but please. So this is going to be a little armchair history because I'm not, I'm not too sharp on this at all. But I know some of the major details of it that not a lot of people know. And um, so it's essentially a Prussian system. The Prussians were getting in. If there's something wrong, I, I, I recommend so ever someone looks this up to check me. But the Prussians were essentially losing the Napoleonic Wars, and they realized that their soldiers would either shit themselves on the battlefield, or they would just. Dave Smith does a great segment on this too. They would just walk out, like they'd be scared to. They essentially wouldn't die for the state. They would run off and they would do something else and then they would lose the wars. They created a system where essentially the Prussian soldiers would be trained to be more loyal to the state through education. And they called that Shula or school. And that's that's where school comes from. And that's where all public that's where public schooling comes from is that Prussian system. And John John Taylor Gatto writes great books on that as well. But the idea that school has ever, especially public school, has ever been about education instead of, you know, being a servant to the state is ridiculous, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I've always thought <clears throat> it's more about socialization. I mean, come on, let's look at any fucking movie about the 70s, the 80s, you know, Days of Confuse fast times and you, you get older you see like fucking uh you know any movie in the 80s jesus christ it's all about like socialization of different extremes jocks nerds stoners you know hot chicks ugly chick whatever it was it's it's all about that it's about the funny memories and it's about you know almost kind of getting that's what i felt like most school mostly school was gonna benefit you for as an adult like okay you learn how to be you learn how to be immature, and then because you learn how to be immature, now you now you know what it takes to be mature as you get older. You know, and and education is there if you really want to take advantage of it. I mean, like fuck, 
there's kids in East LA that did what calculus and stand and deliver. Like if you want to take it as far as you want, what is that? Calculus. That's what the Mexicans call it. Calculus. Oh, nice. <laughs> you never seen stand and deliver? No, uh, it's a classic, man. How, how old are you? 21. Okay. Man, that's probably why I'm not that old. I'm only 29, but it's a, it's a movie basically about, uh, these kids in East LA and this teacher's like super passionate about, it's basically like uh freedom riders ahead of its time. You know nice. what I'm saying? And the teacher's teaching them calculus and he writes on the board and he's a bunch of cholos in the classroom and they're like hey what's calculus <laughs> so we always call it calculus but i mean you see all these examples and they're based on true like lean on me i don't know if you've ever seen the movie lean on me but that's like one of my favorite examples oh. um dude please watch it that's probably that's stand and deliver on steroids man that's morgan freeman's best damn movie i don't care what anybody says man but he's just gangster principal and he just basically go they hire him to go to this failing school because they have nobody else to take the job nice and he just basically it, it looks like a good one yeah oh dude it's insane he runs it like a goddamn military school like son you, you want to do drugs jump off a roof then kill yourself it's freaking hilarious and the kid's like i don't want to jump it's it's good shit man i tell you but um it's one of the best movies because like he treats them like the dads that they don't have and of course it's fought back first with some sort of resistance they don't like it who are you to tell us what to do we don't even you don't even care about us because they've been wronged by everybody in their life as it is and then sure. they care to respect him. They care to love him. They care to call him Mr. Clark now. They care to walk straight in the hallway. They they care to learn the school song. And like he ends up being like this goddamn school hero, you know, like because the whole community is against what he's doing. You know, they don't like you're changing our ways, you're doing this, blah, blah, blah. And the kids are like fighting for him. Like, man, he got me to do my homework, man. He's got me to, you know, I'm, I want to go to junior college now. Like, I, you know, I want to get a job. I want to get my shit together. It's, it's a fantastic movie, but that shit's gone. You know, that, that all that stuff's gone. You know, I, I don't even think it's even allowed to have like you're allowed to have close relationships with your teachers anymore. That's considered like creepy now. Like I still play golf with fucking high school teachers that I want, you know, like I don't even know if that's a thing now. Yeah, it's it's a weird it's a weird the the future of school over the next 20 years is going to be very interesting to see. We're, we're already seeing it with college where. I mean, we just decided that we need a nationwide, essentially, bailout for those that went because the ROI wasn't positive for enough people. Right. So people like me who only went to it for school for a year are paying for those who are going to do four years, essentially, and going in debt. I have to pay that off for them through taxation. So it's going to be interesting to see the next 20, 25 years, what's going to happen with the the school system, I, I cheer on. I do root on the demise of the school system. I think it's, there's not many institutions or any where you can take a, a five-year-old that has all of the creativity and energy in the world to do whatever they want and the imagination. And just by the time that they're 18, it's like a, a part of them has died. Like yeah. just, just a certain, it's just a little bit of a soul sucker. It's some of the only places in the world where kids are going to ever experience violence is within a public school and just overall the the odds of harassment it, it's very much like i i never i think it's a little cliche to call it like a prison but geez what what's the what's the what's a closer example you know yeah know. but you know what i kind of like i like the aspect for a reason that it, it it forces people to or actually brings out the real truths of what people are going to do in their lives in other words like yeah, it, it really is. It does feel like that when you're there. It absolutely does. And it does kill ideas. It does kill creativity. Um, but the people who are truly creative, who will do anything to be creative, 
fight that as hard as they can until it and until it pays off for them. And the ones that are creative but not creative enough to make it like their passion or their or their, or their living fall by the wayside. And, and you know, I I've always felt like encouragement should be a thing, but also I'm not going to tell a five year old you should be creative your whole life. Like fuck that. I'm gonna tell him, hey man, like you know this life is hard. It's very hard. Um, you can do anything you want, but you need to have balls and you need to have skills and you gotta have confidence and you gotta work your ass off, man. And it's nice to have support, but it may not always be there. So I'm not here to tell you to fucking be an artist. I'm here to tell you to whatever you want to do, do it as full as you can. And that's it. And you know, I don't care what it is. You want to go to the army? Cool. Do it as hard as you can. You know, you want to, you want to be a, you want to work in mortgage? Cool. Do it as hard as you can. You know, want to be a painter? Do it as hard as you can. But but, you know, do it with those three things. I, I got that from my friend, Bruce Buffer, ball skills, confidence, do it with those three things and, and hope, and it should play out most of the time. Even if you don't get to where you want to get to avenues will open for you, you know, you'll get a lot of wisdom in the process. And I, and I think that as long as teachers teach that they don't need to really encourage individual passions. I think like if you're passionate enough, like you'll do it on your own time, you know, and, and that's a good part, but you're right. I do. I do kind of root for the demise of college because this problem was created by the government in the first place. I mean, colleges were affordable for a long time. And it wasn't until colleges said, let's just start giving out loans. Let's work together in cahoots with these colleges and yeah. give out loans. And if we give out loans, then that means the colleges can raise their tuition. We're both at a win win, you know, because these kids are barely going to pay off these fucking loans. These colleges make way more money. So we both win. And then the only one who really loses is a student. And then they did that for what? 40 years, maybe 50 years. And then now they're saying, now that we created this huge problem, now the citizens who decided not to go there, you better pay for it. So they, it's a win-win. It's like, we're going to throw this big fucking party. We're not going to pay for the party. And everyone who came to the party is going to have to pay us $100 to even come to the party. And like, literally, all we do is make a profit. And that's yeah. all it is. You're just like, what? How is this even possible? Yeah. No, that's... it. it those that still think it's incompetence and not design, I have a hard time being around. Same. It's how much more do you need to see? You know? Yeah. I, I don't know. I, but I want to talk about COVID in California. I want to oh, know dude. what that was like. I'm sure that was a good time to be alive. I was slapping everybody. I didn't give a shit. I, everywhere I went, like it was one of those things where, like, if you had a, if they needed me to have a mask, it was no problem. I was like, hey, no problem. It's not going to go in your store. You know, like in my head, I was like, well, you just lost money. Sorry, like I and I wouldn't be like that rude back in my head. I was gangster. I was like, fuck you. But outside I was respectful and I was like, hey, no problem. I'll, you know, leave your story. All good. But it was bananas for a long time, like a very long time here. And it's 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 not like that anymore. It's cool now. But you you still have your um like your weirdos rocking around with masks outside. But they don't they're not as now that they don't have their gang behind them anymore. Now they're not talking shit. Now they're not going, you, you don't care about people and you, you're, you're the problem. Now, now they're just minding their business with their masks. As to where before they had a lot of confidence when they had the tribe behind them, you know, and they're yelling at people. But, um, now that, you know, ever since the CDC flip-flops and everything they say, now they're just as confused as anybody else. And, um, I think that's the biggest issue about everything. Um, we interviewed Dr. Peter McCullough on this podcast about like, really he was on. Yeah, dude. And it was like a week after he was on Rogan, which was bananas. Cause like <laughs> he went on Rogan. It was the number one listened to episode ever on JRE. Yeah. Like, this is the biggest podcast in the world. Number one listened to episode ever. He's had on Elon Musk, Dave Chappelle. Fucking he has Steven Tyler. I'm a huge Aerosmith guy. I was like, I got to watch that shit. He had on McCullough and it was by far the most numbers. A week later, he's on ours. Nice. And I'm like, shit, I got to sound smart. Like, fuck, I'm not that smart. I got to read some books. <laughs> I got to get a thesaurus in his house or something. And um, 
it was a great interview, man. But to hear what he was talking about then all come to fruition and like how specific he was with his studies and how um, how much he predicted what was going to happen and how much he was calling out like medical, you know, like this is not ethical what they're doing, blah, blah. We got gunshots in my neighborhood. Um, it was bananas to see it all come to fruition, man. It really was because it, it's like what Rand Paul is talking about. It's what everyone's talking about, man. Like these dudes really did lie about a bunch of shit, you know, and then they get caught up and then it's like there's no punishment. That's the craziest part about it, man. It's interesting that you bring up how the people, they don't have their army behind them anymore. Yeah. And this I, I love the name of this show, Alternate Take. And I'm not trying to just, we're not trying to jerk ourselves off here. And I, I think this is a good <laughs> take here. But I think on average, people with unpopular opinions are better people than people without unpopular opinions. Yeah, because, I would say on average for sure. Yeah. Because the amount of courage and responsibility it takes to have an unpopular opinion is so much greater. Let's take, let's take the, the, let's just take the vaccine. For example, when the, when the vaccinated find out that they were wrong about what they were saying about it, they have someone to blame. It's not, it's not, I was wrong. It's we were wrong. Very good point. Yeah. We were lied to this. The science was wrong. We were off on that. It's never I, as an individual, if I have an unpopular opinion, I have to fight off all of the other people that are coming at me with, you know, do this, do that, do this, do that. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. If I'm actually wrong here, in my opinion, it's on me. I can't blame. I, there's no one to blame. And I think that's actually a, a, a good signal of someone's character is if they have unpopular opinions, genuine unpopular opinions that they're willing to stand on. I, I think that shows more character than those that have the same opinion that everyone else does. So yeah, I, I, agree. I, love, I love the name alternate take because it's, I think that people with alternate takes are on average better people than those without them. I appreciate that, man. That means a lot to me, dude. I it's funny because I actually got the uh the name of the idea came to me when uh I was listening to a Bob Dylan song. Bob Dylan, he has a song called uh If Not For You. It's it probably one of his like top 20 songs. And it's a pretty good song. I like it. Um, but he has a version of it called If Not For You Alternate Take, like a throwaway that he put around like 40 years after the original version came out. It was just like, hey, these are all my throwaways and my demos that I just did nothing with, and I'm just gonna put them on CD. And make some money off of them. And dude, I heard it and I liked it way better. I was like, this shit rips. And I didn't, and it, it took me a real like a second to realize that the lyrics were still were the original, if not for you. I was like, this is not if not for you. But it sounds way better. And I was like, I like the idea of that, that it's a different version of what's going on, but it stands on its own and, and it has its own flavor. And it's not trying to copy anything, it's just trying to give a different perspective on what's going on. And I agree with you, man, because especially about the part where you said about it being genuine because if you really do have of a difference of opinion you are you're not doing it just to fucking rub feathers either you're doing it because you really have research you're looking up to certain things you're going through all the work that like I, I can't stand people though that aren't genuine they do it either when i was a kid i you always have friends like that that's all they want to do is piss people off you know like you're I'm, I'm, they think they're critical thinkers. They think they're this, you know, like, bro, this, this, and this, this, and this. Yeah, but you, but you live at home. But you live at home. You can critically think about fucking everything and judge everyone else, but you fucking can't get a job. You can't get a 401k. You can't do shit. 
Like those people piss me off too. Cause I'm like, you're the one first guy to be like the government, man, but you do shit. You're the laziest motherfucker around here. So like, that- I, I, I have a similar problem within the libertarian community. We have too many philosophers and not enough Kings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Where it's like, I'm sure you can think well, but like everything, your actions are shit. So I need you to like it. If those aren't in alignment with each other, then you, you'll consistently look like a hypocrite. And like, that's the problem is that's like what the left is pushing. That's what like all, everyone on that side is pushing is they always push hypocrisy and everything they do. I mean, fuck, we love immigrants. Here you go. I don't like immigrants. Like they're just hypocrites with everything they do. But the difference between crazy people and normal people is if you're going to have ideas and have the balls and the research to go through all of it and to make sure you can stand on your own. And um, it's not if someone asks you, why do you like, you know, this music so much, dog, because look at this record. You get look at the album work. You got to check it out. Start from, you know, song one. And once you get to song four, make sure you smoke a little bit of weed before you get to song four. And then you'll see <laughs> song seven. You'll be see the devil. It's going to be beautiful. That's yeah. fucking like then you're like, you know what? I really do want to hear this fucking album now. Like, holy shit. Like he's so passionate about it and they may not even like it, but they're like, I respect the fuck out of his mindset on that album just because of how passionate he was because he was so specific about it. Sure. You know what I mean? That's what that's what I get alternate take from, and that's what I get what you're saying, where it's like flowing against the other way, but not to be a jerk. It's because you truly believe that shit. And yeah. when it's appreciated, it feels good, man. So I appreciate that. And people with alternate takes are also more fun. Yeah, yeah. dude. That's why I can't stand about the left. You know, they always want to shut something down. Donald Trump, okay. Twitter, fun. Don't care what you have to say about him. Fun. <laughs> so fun. Exactly. Andrew Tate, fun. Hilarious. Hilarious. Like, just the like one of the funniest dudes alive. No, he, he can't speak, or kids are going to beat their girlfriends. Who doesn't have a cousin or an uncle like Andrew Tate? Everyone does. All of a sudden, they're like, oh my God, I'm so offended. Like, what do you mean? Like, I've been hearing all, that your whole life. All the conspiracy theories that are out there. It's fun. Yeah. I, I just the. I think that we're going to have a generation of kids where their default is that you have to shut something down. If you disagree with them, you have to gain enough power or you have to, you have to find the place where there is power that has the power to shut down someone. And you have to do that. And that's the way that you're going to handle people that you disagree with. And I mean, that's going to, that's a, that's a dangerous road to go down. Yeah. And you know, like I said, it's, I, I, I always the middleman is is to blame for a lot of things, meaning the middleman being schools, uh, you know, anything in between there. Um, but I still think it starts at home, dude. Like, I swear to God, that's that's what I truly do believe, man. Like, I think if you aren't teaching your kids to be confident and not arrogant, but confident, um, giving them responsibility at a young age. I tell the story before, but like um, my dad used to make us specifically my brother. He would make my brother go to like the liquor store when we were little. Or the grocery store to go get milk when he was like six. You know, he said, go get us milk. We're out of milk. Now, that's not because my dad's too fucking lazy to go get milk. It's not because he's too busy to go get milk. It's because he wants to teach my brother to be a man. Right. My brother would go, terrified, get the milk, come back. He said, count the change, make sure you get everything right. It wasn't until 20 years later when my dad told my brother. My brother brought it up like at a party. He's like, oh my God, remember? Like, he raised us to be tough. You know, We, we got milk and shit and we brought it back. And he's like, he's like, we would follow you in the car the whole ride there, man. We're not fucking, we're not shitty parents. Like we're not that crazy. You know, like we just wanted to make sure that like you would do the right thing that we're telling you. You would look before both ways before you cross the street. If a stranger stopped you, you wouldn't fucking talk to him. Yeah. You came out and you looked confident while you were walking. You didn't weren't walking like a scared kid. We wanted to double check. We wanted to make sure because 
once we knew that, then we can trust you more. All right, this kid's getting confidence. He's he's more, you know, he's going to be a leader going forward. And I'm like, dude, that's am- like, I don't know how my parents had the energy to even do that shit. You know, like they had both had working jobs, um, both like in the first responder type of deal. My dad was a, in law enforcement. My mom was a nurse. So I'm like, you're fucking busy, tired all the time. And, you know, still come home and be like, no, we got we to gotta make sure our kids are doing shit like this because we need them to be responsible adults when they get older. And that that's one little example, but that gives you so much damn confidence that you're miles ahead of the kid who's six. You're basically fucking 15 when you're six, like mentally speaking. Right. So you'll be able to handle those mental bullies when you get older that go, nope, shutting you off. Cause you're just like, you think that fucking bothers me, bitch? Like, I, I, this, you know what I've been doing since I was six? That's nothing to me. Like, you know, if words hurt you, Jesus. Like, I, you know, I got beat up at the tennis ball courts when I was seven. And then, you know, there's one time we were playing fucking, I don't know of whatever and i i tripped and i and I broke my knee who cares like that's stuff you, you had a childhood that was normal so but your parents let you have that childhood they and not only did they let you have it they encourage it they were the parents from from the sandlot you know go out get dirty you know make mistakes um and if you do that i feel like you have a much better chance at your child growing up having his own mind being a critical thinker being more grateful for society um and how far we come as a country and all kinds of things like that. It just comes along with like with maturity, but that's not being a thing. And it's funny because parents I hear all the time brag about shit like that. You know, my childhood man, it was this, it was that. We played stickball. You know, I finger blasted this chick behind the billy shirts. It was great. It was a fucking good life. It was a good childhood. And then I'm like, okay, cool. How about you and your kids? He's like, I treat him like a pussy. You know, and he doesn't respect me. And you know, I'm like, well, you call him buddy. He's fucking eight. He's not your buddy. You know, there's that's mistake number one. Like, what are, you, what are you doing? Of course, you're, you're ready to call him. He's your equal right off the bat. You know, he doesn't pay mortgage. He doesn't pay shit. And you're like, come on, buddy. I'm like, so everything that you talked about so proudly, my dad was hard on me. My mom loved me, but she was tough. All this stuff. You're, will, you're willing to not do the same for your kid. Like, what, what? And I feel like if that's done more, then we'll, things will turn around. But it's, le- it's happening less and less. Right. And that's a beautiful story that with your parents. To counter that, I think to be fair to the current parents, I believe it's harder to raise children now because of some of the things that we talked about. Financially, it's fucking, it's crazy. Well, not the financial stuff. If you send your kids to public school, the state's raising your kids for, for seven and a half hours a day, essentially. So you're having your kid programmed by a, a government employee for more time than they're able to see you as a parent. And then when they go home, if they have access to the internet, the government's essentially running the internet as well right now. That's so, the big thing, dude. That's the big thing. So there's that. So I, I think it's very difficult to be a parent today. And it's it's not something that's that's easy. So I don't know. It, it's we, it's funny. We get on our podcast, we get into we're we're very quote unquote blackpilled on our podcast, meaning that. I don't know if you follow Michael Malice or not, but essentially we see things in a, in a little more of a pessimistic way. Yeah, you know, I would actually consider myself an optimist, uh, especially with my personal life. But with the out, outside world, I mean, I said this at we had an event for our book uh, yesterday, I believe. And one of the things that I said when I was speaking is that it's not like in sports where you have a really shitty team and you get a good draft pick the next year and you have something to look forward to <laughs> <laughs> the, the lineup, the, the, there's no draft class. There's no draft lottery here. 
this is going to be the same if nothing changes. No, my basketball coach used to say, nothing changes if nothing changes. And I, I think that's a that's a good way to look at the world right now. Yeah. You know, I, I like what you said about government being in media because they weren't they weren't when I was growing up. I mean, like, if anything, it was fuck the government in media. That's what it was. It was, you know, Nas saying like fucking or whoever the fucking rappers were saying Bush knocked down doubt. It was always like Rage Against the Machine. It was all that shit. It was it was never that growing up. Like they didn't have enough power to be enough influence to be in the media. We we're like, I don't want to hear this shit. I want to hear Tupac. I want to hear Metallica. I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear anything about what the president has to say. Fifteen. I don't need that shit. But with the advancement of technology and social media, like now they control everything. And now those same people, those Rage Against the Machine people, now they're now they're on the side of the government. They're fucking biggest hypocrites of all. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, they literally made a whole friggin like lifetime saying, you know, like, killing in the name, rage against the machine. Like the government's the machine. Like they, they sing for them now. Like that's the craziest part. They're like, it's the lefties. It's so sad. World. You're like, what the, it's annoying, man. It's so sad. Are you religious at all, Danny? Um, no, not like essentially. Um, but not like, not like a, one of those antis or anything like that either. Um, you know, I thought about it a lot when I was a kid. Like it was always a thing I thought about. It was always on my mind, man, because I grew up, I went to Catholic school till fourth grade and I got kicked out. There was a no fight rule, man. Freaking Jesus. Like, guy threw the ball in my face, man. Fuck him. So I, you know, did, nice. defend, defended myself. Yeah, but you, you kept your soul. You got kicked out of school, but you, you, you retained your soul. Yeah, that wasn't the only issue, though, man. If I'm bad, I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't tell the priest nothing. That confession, I got in trouble. Like, you know, I always knew he was going to tell my parents. I was like, man, like, I, I like you, Father Jim. You're cool, man. But I already know you're going to tell my mom and dad. I don't need that problem, man. I got, you know, let's, and he was like, fuck, I can't take this kid anymore. I'm going to tell God. I'm like, I'm sure you are, man. But straight up, if you tell my parents, it's worse. Like, they have belts. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't need That's that issue. One. You know, That's but so, like, I liked it, man. I, I still have a lot of friends from back then. Um, that I that eventually we met up with in high school, and but I actually really wanted to go to public school too. Like when I got kicked out, I was ex I was excited, man, because not for any ideological reason. Like I was too stupid at the time to think about that kind of stuff. It wasn't that. I just wanted to wear whatever the fuck I wanted to wear. Yeah, I was you know? the same way. I, I wanted to wear a Metallica shirt. Way. I wanted to wear. I wanted to go like, dude. When I found out I could wear whatever, because even at CAC school, like you had to wear all black shoes. So if you buy Nikes, you got to color in the fucking white part with black Sharpie. And you're like, this is this is terrible. Like my shoes are ruined. So now I was like, I can wear any shoes I want. I can wear, I can, you know, on one day I can dress like a skater. The next day I can dress like, you know, a jock. I can do whatever the hell I want. And I love that. That was like my favorite thing because it allowed me to show my creativity. You know, I was, I was a nerd. I was, a, you know, I was a jock. I was a skater. You know, I was a rocker. So like public school for me was the perfect outlet because I can, you know, do all those at once, you know, in one week. Sure. And then high school was the same way. I went to, I went to public high school and, you know, and I, and I loved it, man. Like it wasn't like a, a ghetto area or anything like that, man. And, you know, it was great. But high school is where I started thinking about religion a lot more um, because it was brought up a lot. Like my grandparents are very, uh, they're very Catholic and my parents are. And, you know, they would just bring it up casually. And I think like, like 19, I read the Bible and it took me like a year and a half. Took forever, dude. Like, I'll be honest, like, it's not even like a full reading because, like, half the time it was zombie reading. You know what I mean? You're like, I forgot what sure, I just read. Yeah, you're, just, you're just looking at words. Yeah. yeah. Like, I would bookmark everything and I go from page to page and I would try sure. to get a couple pages a day or whatnot. Um, but 
when it was over, I got, I had like, I, I still had a lot of questions and I was like, damn it. I thought that was like, you know, give me everything I needed and shit. You know, I was kind of like, I wasn't like let down, but I was also like, I have more questions now. Like son of a, you know, and, um, and I liked it. I liked that. There's a lot of good things in it. There really is, you know? And, uh, I think when I was a kid, I, was, I used to be more negative towards it because I just wanted to rock, man. Like, I don't want to hear this shit. I want to hear Hell's Bells, ACDC. You know, I want to listen to Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath. I don't want to hear, I don't want to go pray right now. But um, I honestly do believe we need more of it in today, man. If right. I'm being honest, I do think we need more of it. I think we need a lot more of it, man, because we're, we're in a time where I think, I think we had, I think there is the idea, like, especially in the 90s and early 2000s, that like um, the less God in society, the better it is for everyone because we'll all be equal and we'll all not judge each other. And like, well, we've tried it and it, it's gotten a lot worse. It, it really has society. We've gotten meaner. We've gotten meaner. And I feel like, like religious people are the nicest people in the world now. Like 10 years ago, that's not that everyone was like, Oh my God, religious people are so judgy and they're so mean. And I was like, that's cause you don't even know any of them. Like you're just making that shit up in your head. You're just saying what TV is telling you to say. Sure. And then now it's like, I feel like they're the nicest people in the world. And I'm like, well, look at that. Like, they've always been really nice, man. Like, you just don't get to know them. You know what I mean? So, um, so no, I wouldn't say like essentially, but definitely not anti, man. And I do think we need a lot more of it. I appreciate that take. I, I'm Catholic. I've got, I wear the, the cross with honor. I, you have good Catholic tendencies. That's the reason I was asking. I, I think if you found, I don't know what the churches are like in California. Yeah. I think if you found a very sound conservative church. It would be something worth looking into. Yeah. Because I, I think that the Catholics, and this is kind of crazy, this is gonna be kind of crazy for people to hear out loud, but I think the the real Catholics, like the the people who are really with it, and it, it gets very complicated because there's so much um controlled opposition even within the church, where I'm sure the church that you grew up with or the school that you grew up with wasn't a great church just from what i'm hearing from it it didn't it didn't if it didn't inspire you to live like christ it probably wasn't a good church and i i think that the catholics are are this group that is going to change things it it, it sounds weird saying out loud but they're they're, true for sure yeah they're so countercultural, and we already know that the catholic church has outlasted every single empire and every single government since its existence it's undefeated it will it is never law it has never ended to a, a, an empire or government while all of the empires and governments um have either died or are still alive and will eventually die i i think that there's this weird there's this weird tendency that people have towards religion that they don't have towards statism gary and i are both catholic my i, I think one of the phrases that I love saying to myself about myself is that I worship Jesus Christ in a world that worships the Roman empire. And I, I think when we see there's this great, but I know I'm going on a bunch of side tangents, but this is important. Love it. I love it. This is good. This is great shit. This there's like this great, bo- there's this great book called the maker versus the takers by Jerry Boyer. Um, I recommend once everyone gets done reading a twisted history of the United States, I recommend reading this. It's what Jesus really said about social justice and economics. And it just breaks down what Jesus was really saying at his time when he talks about money and, and all that stuff, how he was, there were, he was essentially talking when he t- talks critically about money, there's different audiences that he's speaking to. So he'll say something in Judea that he won't say in Galilee. 
and it, and he breaks down the geography of how Judea was more deep state with what we would consider the deep state at the time. And he breaks all that stuff down. But in the book, he says that we can either have a big God and a small state or a big state and a small God. And I love that quote because it's so true because people either people either choose God or the state. It's not a coincidence that some of the most communist socialist nations have have tried to ban religion. Right. Then they, then they can't worship humans. If they, if they can't, if they don't worship God, they have to worship humans instead. So I think the Catholic church is going to be one of the, the real Catholic church is going to be one of the, the institution that saves our world, which is, I'm sure an alternate take to some of the people listening to this. It is. Yeah. It's definitely, definitely what I believe. So I'm very white pilled about the future of the Catholic church, despite the current Pope. Well, dude, I I don't care who saves it. As long as somebody does, you know what I'm saying? Whoever does it, I, I, I appreciate it. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. that's, that, that's like my, that's like my look on things like that, man. And I, I think another thing too, is like people that like legitimately hate religion, like anti people. It, it's such a it's such an overused quote, but it's so true, man. It's like be careful what you hate because, you know, like you could you can turn into that. Like if you're so I hate religion, I'm so anti. Like that's what you're the biggest religious person in the room. You don't even know it. Like mm-hmm. you have you're you're part of a cult and you have no idea. Like you hate mm-hmm. it so much that you're so willing to go in this crazy direction, and it's almost like a mental illness. Like you really do believe everyone's against me and they don't like my beliefs and they don't accept me and blah blah. blah. And it's like you're, dude, like you got a narcissistic personality disorder. It's not like it's not religion that's messing with you. It's just it's you. You have an issue. Sure. But they get so I hate it so much. They they turn into their own thing that's so hateful and it's so like, you know, it's it's one of those things where like I I, I see it before it happens. You know, I definitely see it before it happens. You know, I I think it's good for for especially in their adulthood to to look into stuff like that, especially if it's right for you and you and you feel some sort of like interest coming from there, man. Like look into it. Like, you know, what are you gonna do? Like when you're 35, anyways, you think you're gonna go out and sling dick like you used to when you're 21? Yeah, it's not gonna happen. You're not Charlie Westerman. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you're 35. So like, if you wanna sleep in and go out on a Sunday and and go see what it's like, well then go, man. Go see if it's for you. If you don't like that one, go try another one. You know, the one thing I I do like about Catholic Church um, is how traditional it is. I don't like people that say they don't like that either. Like that that bugs me. Like the the new age. Oh my god, I don't like it. it if you go to a, if you go to a church, sorry to cut you off. If you go to a church and they're playing the guitar, walk out. Yeah, dude, I'm so I'm so for that, dude. I, I remember this one time I was I was trying to hook up with some chick when I was like 17, and she was like she was like the hottest girl in school, dude. I swear. And I was like, ah, oh, I can't say no. Cause she was like, okay, like we can go on a date, but like you have to go on a, go with me to church. And I was like, whatever, I'll go, whatever. Like if, it, if I go on a date with you, like I'm in. And I went, but it was a Christian church I'd never been before. And Christian and Catholics for the most part are basically the same thing. There's a lot of small differences, but like I would say 90% of it basically the same thing. Um, I said the only thing is those 10% is so different. Like there's a lot of small differences. The main thing is just the atmosphere, dude. Like when I went, I was like, I was, I'm not used to people yelling and this is like a crazy, it, it felt culty to me. Like it really did. Like there was this dude running down the aisle. Oh, with, it was a non-Catholic church. Yeah. It was a Christian church. Yes. Yeah, okay. so like not like, like strictly Christian, not Catholic. And okay. this dude was running down the aisle with like a Jesus flag. And he was like, Jesus. And he started crying. And I was like, what? I'm like, what is happening here? This looks, this is crazy. And like, 
and like the 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 pastor you can tell was like i was studying him because i've always like i like stand-up comedy i like performers and he seemed more like a manipulator to me than a performer and i was like because like like you could tell like when i when you go to like a regular like a catholic church the guy like he looks like he wants to be up there he looks like i'm here to give you guys the word of god today that's like the feel i get and when i went to a christian church i'm like this guy fucking i guarantee you this guy's running poker games behind this fucking building that's what i was looking at i swear like it's just a different vibe and like if that's for you badass man as long as it makes you a good person outside of it i really don't give a shit but it was strange to me it really was it was like a new thing i like catholic church for sure more than christian church but like i said i really don't care what if, as long as as long as you're a better person for it then i'm all for it man you know yeah but i, I would look into it especially if you were once there and you kind of have the foundation if you've read the bible i would try to see churches near you or if you're going to vegas i would i would look into it a little more yeah i think i think i will man i don't know man but i i know me too sundays i like having cigars and whiskey and shit and hanging out you can do that after man i know I like, dude i, like I know that too. i, I like know. that too man i get i get out and i'm watching football <laughs> exactly man well dude um so tell me about what's going on now like so now the book is out. How much feedback have you guys gotten from it? Um, what's in What's in store for you and uh, Mr. Richide, man? I know, like you said, you had a conference, and um, like how how much are you guys pushing for this to be places? Laura told me she was like, this shit should be like in um like in schools now. Like this should be in public libraries. This should be like the main textbooks that they're reading for the most part and all that stuff. Yeah, I, I appreciate Laura and everything she said about the book. So far, we had a we had our the, so the book came out on July fourth, twenty twenty two. So it's only about three or four months old. We had our first wave of family, friends, and family that that read it all, and Danny Rodriguez and Laura Sextro. And from what we've heard, the feedback's been great. The product they like. What we're trying to do now is we're trying to get a, a second wave, and we think that second wave is going to come out during midterm elections when people come out of their philosophical and political shells. It's 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 funny how people don't really care about politics until it's time for election time every two or four years. A lot of people, it's just like if an Olympian showed up to their event and they were just they just hadn't practiced running or swimming for the last yeah. <laughs> the last four years and not now here we are. But we think that during midterms there's going to be sort of a second wave that comes of people. The main metric that we're trying to we're trying to increase our Amazon reviews just because that helps the algorithm. There have there hasn't been a lot of people that have left a review, although there have been a lot of people that have read it. But because of the book's controversial and provocative nature, a lot of people are telling us that they want to hold off on writing a review until they've read the entire book. I you know, hate just like that. Just in case that they just in case that we say something too extreme on a page. But I, I'm just happy that we've got to, to meet so many cool people, Danny, yourself included now through this process, just it, it's opened a lot of doors for us. And that's been enough for me. You don't get into writing nonfiction libertarian history books with a co-author for the money. So it, it's, oh, really, yeah. it's really about the, the experience of having a book out and we'll see where it goes, but we love doing podcasts like this. We love having people talk about our podcast, talk about our book. We just think it's something that's really good for the world, especially right now. And it's a history book. So unless new information comes out 
it's not really going to change that much over the next hundred years. We'll see, but really just appreciate anyone's support with the book. You can get it pretty much anywhere online. And uh, we do a weekly podcast, hot water history, hotwaterhistory.com is Gary's website where you can learn more information about that. But I'm on Twitter at Chuck West 20 on Instagram. That's how we connected Danny at Chuck West 20 as well. Um, so anyone that has anything, any support, we'd love to just meet like-minded people. As I told Laura, us non-sociopaths have to stick together, especially during these times. So it, it's just really nice to meet the real ones, man. That's that's really what it's about. Dude, seriously, man. I couldn't agree more, man. There's conversations like this that fucking like give me more hope as to why I do this, man. Like that's right. You know, this this started as a like a garage talk kind of thing, man. Like we're just the guys are hanging out, having beers. And they're not trying to be like, let's be how, how raunchy we can be today. No, 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 no. I'm fucking hang out with the goons over there if you want to do that. Like we might get there at some point tonight. Let's let's not get it twisted. We're not smart either. But let's talk about whatever the hell we want to talk about. And then three hours of flyby with just your buddies hanging out, having beers, talking about whatever, man. You laugh, you cry, jump up and down. Maybe you put on the boxing gloves. Who knows? You know, it's a good time. But that was like the idea of this all. It's like yes. you, you know, is that. You're real. You're down to earth. You don't lie to your friends, you know. And I and I don't like to lie to my guests. And I like to make I like like I like them to feel open when they talk to me too. You know, I want them to know that, you know, that we're friends, man. That I'm your I'm your neighbor down the street. You know, I'm, I'm like, hey, you need to borrow some sugar? I got you. Like I'm one of those guys, man. And um, it's it's been it's been an honor to be able to do this, man. And, and to talk to people everywhere, dude. Like now, I'm like when I go to Chicago, hitting up Charlie Westman, man, he's gonna take me to the ghetto. We're gonna get shot. I'm fucking around. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> you know but that's what i'm saying man it's it's that's like my favorite part about it dude i totally agree yeah it's it's about the it's about who you know man absolutely dude um here's a here's a question do you guys think there'll be another book from history going forward you know because this is still 1945 brother is there anything going there's got to be a little more demand We're, we're both exhausted this book took two years to create we're not just going to do two more years for something that people don't want, but we'll see uh, if people like this enough, we'll, we'll get another one going, but it, it's kind of, there's a couple annoying questions that people ask us. No offense to what you just said, but there's always what's coming next. It's like, we just did this dude. It's like, imagine running 26.2 <laughs> miles and someone asking you, Hey man, that 5k next week, you give me ready for that. It's like, yeah. I know it's still a 5k, but dude i need some water you know oh dude i i understand completely man i swear dude like you get one big interview here like who's next like fuck i don't know dude i just i have to check my emails and no one's hitting me back up yeah so probably nobody you know right exactly I, I, know, I know exactly what you're talking about man it's like uh man this record rips man when's your next one you're like i just fucking took forever to bring yeah. out this record jesus it's Come so on. funny how we're like that today our our attention spans are i don't know if it has to do with our attention spans actually but it, I think it is our attention spans, but it seems like that for everything. You know, a team wins the championship. It's like, what are they going to do next year? Yeah. It's yeah. like the, the champagne's not even warm yet. You but, know, you know, what's crazy, man, is I force myself to do the opposite when it comes to shit like that. I really do, man. I, I make an effort as well. Go ahead. Yeah. Vinyl records. I always buy vinyl records because I want to listen to the whole goddamn thing. And I want it to be a thing I'm worried about. Like, fuck, I can't scratch it. Oh, man. Like, I, I got to put it on correctly. And I want to listen to it from start to finish. That Netflix show comes out. I watch one episode. I don't watch the second one until a week later. Like I'll make myself do that shit. Like I, because that's smart. Delayed gratification. Yeah, I, I, it's 
it's not that I don't want to, and I don't even think it's necessarily our attention spans. I think that we've just gotten an overdose of just addictive things going on that we're not good at controlling it. And, you know, to be honest, I didn't have social media for like almost 10 years um, because of that. Like, I think I was like, like 17 and I, and I realized how addicted I was to it, man. Like, I remember I was scrolling like every 10 seconds and I was like, what the, what's my problem? The fuck am I going to see in 10 seconds from now? The same shit. And I was like, why do I keep doing that? And I really couldn't control it. And I was like, this is disastrous. Like, if I don't get rid of this now, I'm going to have some major issues by the time I'm 25. So I, I deleted it when I was, when I was 17. And it wasn't until like later when I was like 26, 27, when I started the podcast, I was like, well, I kind of have to have it. And plus it'll help me out with like finding new guests. Cause I'm going to see like, I can like go on the discover part and find people. But I think that's the problem. I, I think our attention spans are only, are only there to feed our addictions, you know? And like, that's the problem. It's, it, it's just way too addicting. Everything's addicting as shit now. You know what I'm saying? You put it better than I did. I, I meant to say instant gratification. I, I think that you put it a lot better than me, <laughs> I don't know, but our attention spans are a problem, but you're right in this, in this part of it, it it's definitely the instant gratification culture that you're talking about. Absolutely, man. Well, dude, man, um, this was a fucking great time, dude. I had a blast, man. Um, and we got to do this again, dude, because like I said, most of my, most of my interviews, like we do, it's all over the place, man. We have comedians or it's like a Joe Rogan-esque, I would say. Um, but these are my favorite ones, man. Just talking about, talking about what's going on, man. And with people that are informed, especially someone like yourself is clearly way more informed than me. I mean, you wrote a book. So, I mean, that's, that's huge, man. I appreciate you uh, taking the time, brother. And being so flexible, man. Like I know it's busy as hell today. I had a bunch of shit to do and you still were like, nah, I'll be there, man. I appreciate that. Yes, sir, man. Really appreciate you having me on, Danny. Absolutely, brother. Um, what was your podcast called again? Hot Water History. Hot Water History, man. Beautiful. Everyone go check that out. And uh, I'll put Charlie's uh, social media on the podcast description, man. Uh, this has been Alternate Take, and we'll see you guys later. Peace. Peace. And there it is, ladies and gentlemen. Our interview with the co-author of the book, A Twisted History of the United States of America, Charlie Westerman. Thanks for stopping in, Charlie boy. Uh, it was a pleasure meeting you, and uh, I'm glad to call you a friend now, brother. It was a fucking great interview, dude, and a good time. Next time I go to Chicago, dude, I'm crashing on your couch. We're going to go out there in the city and fucking make it happen and shit, you know what I'm saying? But until then, man, everyone, enjoy this episode. Uh, go buy the book. I put the link to the book in the podcast description, write an Amazon review, all that good stuff. But uh, that's it, man. This has been Alternate Take. I am your host, Danny Rodriguez, and I'll see you guys later. Peace.